Hello again, friend. I can't tell you how glad I am to see you back. Come in. Come in. It's freezing out there. I must apologize for my rudeness from your last visit. I didn't even introduce myself. My name is Glick Silverfall. Like I said, it's been decades since I had company. I was very eager to dive straight into the records. Follow me. We'll be heading into the belly of the archive this time to some ancient texts. When I started building this place, I didn't expect just how large it would become. There's entire sections I haven't stumbled into for years. This morning, I was tuning into my weekly pod transmissions and wandering the corridors when I discovered this old stairwell. I started digging through the section, wondering what treasures may be found, when I found something of an origin story. It was in my youth that my interest in extinct races came to fruition. Entire days lost with my head in books. The lost cities of Proxima, the Atlanta giants, the mystery of the gate worlds but I had not found my true calling. <laughs> a little while later, I acquired a book titled History and Culture of the Early Homo Sapiens. In it were countless tales of love, war, creation, betrayal, and faith from all axes of Earth. This is where I started, collecting every page, tome, and dusty inscription of their early civilizations, deciphering their own translation, it had been enough to set anyone's head spinning, but not mine. I loved those days. I missed them, where every discovery was new, and every stone turned as a fresh perspective. And there really is nowhere like home. Look at me, I'm blivering. Let's dive into these, shall we? Unfortunately for us historians, humans continuously encountered conflict with their ideas. This left a lot of bloodshed, and more books burned. Even in their time, they didn't have many stories left from the early mythologies. And now, we have even less. This is one of those few. From a time of rulers called pharaohs, in the great reaches of the Egyptian Empire, a civilization that existed for almost 3,000 Earth years. That's just over 4,000 hours. Especially impressive, right? Setna, the son of Ramesses the Great, was learned in all ancient writings, and a magician of note. 
while other princes spent their days in hunting or leading their father's armies to guard the distant parts of the empire, Setna was never as happy as when left alone to study. Not only could he read even the most ancient hieroglyphic writings on the temple walls, but he was a scribe who could write quickly and easily the many hundreds of signs that go to make up the ancient Egyptian language. He was also a magician whom none could surpass, for he had learned his art from the most secret of ancient writings, which even the priests of Amenhe, of Tar and Foth, could not read. One day, he pored over the ancient books. He came upon the story of another pharaoh's son, several hundred years earlier, who had been as great a scribe and as wise a magician as he greater and wiser. Indeed, for Nefrakapta had read the Book of Thoth, by which a man might enchant both heaven and earth, and know the language of the birds and beasts. Setna read further that the Book of Thoth had been buried with Nefrakapta in his royal tomb at Memphis. Nothing would content him until he had found it and learned all its wisdom. He sought out his brother, Anheru, and said to him, Help me find the Book of Thoth, for without it, life has no longer any meaning for me. I will go with you and stand by your side through all dangers, answered Anheru. The two brothers set out for Memphis, and it was not hard for them to find the tomb of Nefrakapta, the son of Amenhotep, the first great pharaoh of that name, who had reigned three hundred years before their day. Setna had made his way into the tomb, to the central chamber where Nefrakapta was laid to rest. He found the body of the prince lying wrapped in its linen bands, still in death. Beside it, on the stone sarcophagus sat two ghostly figures, the Ka, or spirit, of the beautiful young woman and a boy. Between them, on the dead breast of Nefercaptor, lay the Book of Foth. Setna bowed reverently to the two Ka, and said, May Osiris have you in his keeping, dead son of a dead pharaoh, Nefercaptor, the great scribe, and you also, whoever you be, whose car sit here beside him. Know that I am Setna, the priest of Tar, son of Ramesses, the greatest pharaoh of all. And I come for the Book of Thoth, which was yours in your days and on earth. I beg you, let me take it in peace. For if not, I have the power to take it by force or magic. The car of the woman then spoke. Do not take the Book of Thoth, Sedna, son of today's pharaoh. It will bring you trouble, even as it brought trouble upon Nefakapta who lay here, and upon me, Ahura, his wife. 
whose body lies at Coptos on the edge of eastern Thebes, together with that of Merab, our son, whose car you see before you, dwelling with the husband and father whom we loved so dearly. Listen to my tale, and beware. Nefrokapta and I were the children of the pharaoh Amenhotep, and according to custom we became husband and wife. And this son, Marad, was born to us. Nefrokapta cared above all things for the wisdom of the ancients, and for magic that is to be learned from all that is carved on the temple walls, and within the tombs and pyramids of long-dead kings, priests, and Saqqara, the city of the dead that is all about us here on the edge of Memphis. One day, he was studying what is carved on the walls in one of the most ancient shrines of the gods. He heard a priest laugh mockingly and say, All that you read there is but worthless. I could tell you where lies the Book of Thoth, which God of Wisdom wrote with his own hand. When you have read its first page, you will be able to enchant the heaven and the earth, the void, the mountains and the sea. You shall know what the birds and beasts and reptiles say, and when you have read the second page, your eyes will behold all the secrets of the gods, and read all that is hidden in the stars. Then said Nefercapta to the priest, By the life of the pharaoh, tell me what you would have me do for you, and I will do it, if only you will tell me where the book of Forth is. The priest answered, If you could learn where it lies, you must first give me a hundred bars of silver for my funeral, and issue orders that when I die my body shall be buried like that of a great king. Nefercapta did all that the priest asked, and when he had received all the bars of silver, he said, The Book of Thoth lies beneath the middle of the Nile at Coptos, in an iron box there is a box of bronze. In the bronze box, a box of sycamore. In the sycamore, an ivory and ebony box. In the ivory and ebony box is a silver box. In the silver box is a golden box. And in that lies the book of Thoth. All around the boxes are twisted snakes and scorpions, and it is guarded by a serpent who cannot be slain by man. Nefercaptor was beside himself with joy. He hastened home with the shrine and told me all that he had learned, but I feared lest evil should come of it. And I said to him, Do not go to Koptos to seek this book, for I know that it will bring great sorrow to you and to those you love. I tried in vain to hold Nefercaptor back, but he shook me off and went to the pharaoh, our royal father, and told him what he had learned from the priest. Then said the pharaoh, What is it that you desire? And Nefercaptor answered, Bid your servants make ready for the royal boat, for I would sail south to Koptos with Ahura, my wife, and our son Marab, 
to seek this book without delay. All was done as he wished, and we sailed up the Nile until we came to Coptos. And there the priests and priestesses of Isis came to welcome us, led us to the temple. Nefrakapta made a great sacrifice of ox and goose and wine, and we feasted with the priests and their wives in a fine house looking upon the river. But on the morning of the fifth day, leaving me and Merab to watch in the window of the house, Nefercapta went down to the river and made a great enchantment. First he created a magic cabin, full of men and tackle. He cast a spell upon it, giving life and breath to the men, and sank the magic cabin into the river. Then he filled the royal boat with sand, and put out into the middle of the Nile, until he came to the place below which the magic cabin lay. And he spoke the words of power, and cried, Workmen, workmen, work for me, even where lies the book of Foth. They toiled without ceasing, by day and by night, and on the third day they reached the place where the book lay. Then Nefercaptor cast out the sand, and they raised the book, until it stood upon a shoal above the level of the river. And behold all about the iron box, Below it and above it snakes and scorpions twined, and the serpent that could not die was twined at the box itself. Never kept a cry to the snakes and scorpions, as loud and terrible cry, and his words of magic they became still, nor could one of them move. Then Nefercaptor walked, unharmed among the snakes and scorpions, until he came to where the serpent that could not die lay curled around the box of iron. The serpent reared itself up for battle, since no charm could work on it, and Nefercaptor drew his sword and rushing upon it, smote off its head in a single blow. But at once the head and body sprang together, and the serpent that could not die was whole again and ready for the fray. Once more Nefercaptor smote off its head, and this time he cast it far away into the river, but at once the head returned to the body, and it was joined to the neck, and the serpent could not die. It was ready for its next battle. Nefercaptor saw that the serpent could not be slain, but must be overcome by cunning. So once more, he struck off its head. But before head and body could come together, he put sand on each part, so when they tried to join, they could not do so, as there was sand between them and the serpent that could not die lay helpless in two pieces. Nefercaptor walked towards the iron box on the shoal of the river, and the snakes and scorpions watched him, and the head of the serpent watched him also, but none could do him harm. He opened the iron box, the bronze box, the sycamore box, the ivory and ebony, the silver, and last, the gold. When he had opened the golden box, he found in it 
the book. The book of Thoth. He opened it and read the first page. And at once he had power over the heavens and the earth, the void, the mountains and the sea. He knew what the birds and beasts and fishes were saying. He read the next page of spells and saw the sun shining in the sky, the moon and the stars, and he knew their secrets. And he saw the gods themselves, hidden, usually, from mortal sight. Then rejoicing that the priest's words were true, and the book of Foth was his, he cast a spell upon the magic men, saying, Workmen, workmen, work for me and take me back to the place from which I came. They brought him back to Koktos, where I sat waiting for him and taking neither food nor drink in my anxiety, but sitting stark and still, like one who has gone to the grave. Nefercaptor came to me, held out the Book of Foth, and I took it in my hand. I read the first page, and I had power over the heavens and the earth, the void, the mountains and the sea. And I also knew what the birds and beasts and fishes were saying. And when I read the second page, I saw the sun, the moon, and the stars of all the gods. And I knew their secrets, even as he did. Nefercaptor took a clean piece of papyrus and wrote on it all the spells to the Book of Foth. He took a cup of beer and washed off the words and drank it so that the knowledge of the spells entered his being. But I, who cannot write, do not remember all that is written in the Book of Foth, for the spells which I had read in it were many and hard. We once again entered the royal boat and set sail for Memphis. But scarcely had we begun to move, when a sudden power seemed to seize our little boy Murad. He was drawn to the river, and falling off the boat, sank out of sight. Seizing the Book of Foth, Nefercaptor read from it the necessary spell, and at once the body of Marab rose to the surface of the river, and we lifted it on board. But not all the magic in the book, not that any magician in Egypt could bring Marab back to life. Nefercaptor was able to make his car speak to us, and tell us what had caused his death, and the car of Marab said, Foth, the great god, found that his book had been taken, and he hastened before a man, Ra, saying, Nefercaptor, son of Pharaoh Amenhotep, has found my magic box, and slain its guards, and taken my book, with all the magic that is in it. Ra replied to him, Deal with Nefercaptor, and all that is his, as it seems good to you. I send out my power to work and sorrow, and bring a punishment upon him, and upon his wife and child. And that power from Ra, passing through the will of Foth, threw me into the river, and drowned me. We made a great lamentation, for our hearts were well nigh broken at the death of Morab. We put back to the shore of Koptos, and there his body was embalmed and laid in a tomb as befitted him. 
When the rites of burial and lamentations for the dead were ended, Nefercaptor said to me, Let us now sail with all haste down to Memphis, to tell our father the pharaoh what has chanced. For his heart will be heavy at the death of Marab, yet he will rejoice that I have the Book of Thoth. We set sail once more in the royal boat, but when it came to place where Marab had fallen into the water, the power of Ra came upon me also. I walked out of the cabin and fell into the river and was drowned. And when Nefercaptor, by his magic, had raised my body out of the river, and my card told him all, he turned back to Koptos and had my body embalmed and laid in the tomb beside Marab. He set out once more in the bitter sorrow for Memphis, but when it reached that city and the pharaoh came aboard the royal boat, it was to find Nefercaptor lying dead in his cabin, with the Book of Thoth bound upon his breast. There was mourning throughout all the land of Egypt, and Nefercaptor was buried of all the rights and honours due to the son of a pharaoh, in his tomb where he now lies, and where my car and the car of Marab came to watch over him. And now I have told you all that woe that has befallen us because we took and read the Book of Thoth, the book which you ask to give up. It is not yours. You have no claim to it. Indeed, for the sake of it, we gave up our lives on earth. When Sedna had listened to all the tale told by the car of Ahura, he was filled with awe. But nevertheless, the desire to have the Book of Thoth was so strong upon him that he said, Give me that which lies upon the dead breast of Nefercaptor, or I will take it by force. Then the car of Ahura and Marab drew away as if in fear of Setna, the great magician. But the car of Nefercaptor arose from its body and stepped towards him, saying, Setna. If after hearing all the tale which Ahura, my wife, has told you, yet you will take no warning, then the Book of Thoth must be yours. But first you must win it from me, if your skill is great enough, by playing a game of drafts with me, a game of fifty-two points. Dare you do this? And Setna answered, I am ready to play. So the board was set between them, and the game began. And Nefercaptor won the first game with Setna, and put his spell upon him, so that he sank into the ground to above the ankles. And when he won the second game, Setna sank to his waist in the ground. Once more they played, and when Nefercaptor won, Setna sank into the ground until only his head was visible. But he cried out to his brother, who stood outside the tomb, Anheru! Make haste! Run to the pharaoh, and beg of him the great amulet of Tar! For by it only can I be saved, if you set it upon my head before the last game is played and lost. So Anheru sped down the steep road from Saqqara to where Pharaoh sat in his palace at Memphis. And when he heard all, he fastened in his temple of Tar, took the great amulet from its place in the sanctuary, and gave it to Anheru, saying, Go with all speed, my son, and rescue your brother Setna from this evil contest with the dead. Back to the tomb sped Anheru, and down through the passages to the tomb chamber, where the car of Nefercaptor still played a drass with Setna, and as he entered, 
Setna made his last move, and Nefercaptor reached out his hand with a cry of triumph to make the final move. That should win the game and sink Setna out of sight beneath the ground forever. But before Nefercaptor could move the piece, Anheru leapt forward and placed the amulet of Tar on Setna's head. And at its touch, Setna sprang out of the ground, snatched the Book of Foth from Nefercaptor's body, and fled with Anheru from the tomb. As they went, they heard the car of Ahura cry, Alas, all power is gone from him who lies in this tomb. But the car of Nefercaptor answered, Be not sad. I will make Sedna bring back the Book of Thoth, and come to supply it to my tomb, with a forked stick in his hand, and a firepan on his head. Then Sedna and Anheru were outside, and at once the tomb closed behind them, and seemed as if it had never been opened. When Sedna stood before his father, the great pharaoh, and told him all that had happened, and gave him the amulet of Tar. Ramesses said, My son, I counsel you to take back the Book of Foth to the tomb of Nefercaptor, like a wise and prudent man, for otherwise be sure that it will bring sorrow and evil upon you, and the last you will be forced to carry it back. As a suppliant, with a forked stick in your hand, and a firepan on your head, but Setna could not listen to such advice. Instead, he returned to his own dwelling and spent all his time reading the Book of Foth and studying the spells contained in it. And often he would carry it into the Temple of Tar and read it to those who sought his wisdom. One day, as he sat in the shady colonnade of a temple, he saw a maiden, more beautiful than any he had ever seen, entering the temple with fifty-two girls in attendance to her. Sedna gazed fascinated at this lovely creature, with her golden girdle and headdress of gold and coloured jewels, who knelt to make her offerings before the statue of Tar. Soon, he learned that she was called Tabubra, this was the daughter of the high priest of the cat goddess Bastet, from the city of Bubastis, to the north of Memphis. Bastet, who was the bride of the god Tar of Memphis. As soon as Setna beheld Tabubra, it seemed as if Hafor, the goddess of love, had cast a spell over him. If he got all else, even the Book of Thoth, and desired only to win her, and it did not seem as if his suit would be in vain, for when he sent a message to her, she replied that if he wished to seek her, he was free to do so, provided he came secretly to her palace in the desert outside the Westis. Sedna made his way thither in haste, and found a pylon tower in a great garden with a high wall around it. There, Tabubwa welcomed him with sweet words and looks, and led him to her chamber in the pile, and served him with wine from a golden cup. 
When he spoke to her of his love, she answered, Be joyful, my sweet Paul, for I am destined to be your bride. But remember that I am no common woman, but the child of Bastet the Beautiful, and I cannot endure a rival. So before we are wed, write me a scroll of divorcement against your present wife, and write also that you give your children to me to be slain and thrown down to the cats of Bastet. For I cannot endure that they shall live, and perhaps plot evil against our children. Be it as you wish, cried Setna. And straight away he took his brush, and wrote that Tabubua might cast his wife out to starve and slay his children, to feed the sacred cats of Bastet. And when he had done this, she handed him the cup once more, and stood before him in all her loveliness, singing a bridal hymn. Presently. Terrible cries came floating up to the high window of the pilot, the dying cries of his children, for he recognised each voice as it called to him in agony, and then was still. But Setna drained the golden cup, and turned to Tabubo, saying, My wife is a beggar, and my children lie dead at the pylon foot. I have nothing left in the world but you and I would give all again for you. Come to me, my love. Then Tabuwa came towards him with outstretched arms, more lovely and desirable than Hafor herself. With a cry of ecstasy, Sedna caught her to him, and as he did so, on a sudden, she changed and faded until his arms held a hideous, withered corpse. Sedna cried aloud in terror, and as he did so, the darkness swirled around him. The pylon seemed to crumble away, and when he regained his senses, he found himself lying naked in the desert beside the road that led from Babastis to Memphis. The passers-by on the road mocked at Setna. But one kinder than the rest threw him an old cloak, and with this about him he came back to Memphis, like a beggar. When he reached his own dwelling place and found his wife and children there alive and well, he had but one thought, and that was to return the Book of Foth to Nephrocaptor. If Tabubu and all her sorceries were but a dream, he exclaimed, they show me in what terrible danger I stand. For if such another spell is cast upon me, next time it will prove to be no dream. So, with the Book of Foth in his hands, he went back before the Pharaoh, his father, and told him what had happened. And Ramesses the Great said to him, Setna, what I warned you of has come to pass. You could have done better to obey my wishes sooner. Nephokaptor will certainly kill you if you do not take back the Book of Foth to where you found it. Therefore, go to the tomb as a suppliant, carrying a forked stick in your hand and a firepan upon your head. Sedna did as the pharaoh advised. When he came to the tomb and spoke the spell, it opened to him as before.
and went down to the tomb chamber, and found Nefercaptor lying in his sarcophagus with the car of Ahura and Merab sitting on either side. And the car of Ahura said, Truly, it is Tar the great god who has saved you, and made it possible for you to return here as a supplant. Then the car of Nefercaptor rose in the body and laughed, saying, I told you that you would return as a sublime, bringing the Book of Thoth. Place it now upon my body, where it has lain these many years. But do not yet think that you are free of my vengeance. Unless you perform that which I bid you, the dream of Tabuga will be turned into reality. Then said Setna, bowing low, Nefercaptor, master of magic, Tell me what I may do to turn away your just vengeance. If it be such a man what may perform, I will do it for you. I ask only one thing, answered the car of Nefercaptor. You know that while my body lays here, for you to see, the bodies of Ahura and Mareb rest in their tomb at Koktos. Bring their bodies here to rest of mine until the day of awakening, when Osiris returns to earth, for we love one another and would not be parted. Setna went in haste to Pharaoh and begged for the use of the royal boat, and the Pharaoh was pleased to give command that it should sail with Setna where he would. So Setna voyaged up to the Nile of Koptos. And there he made a great sacrifice to Isis and Horus, and begged the priests of the temple to tell him where Hura and Merab lay buried. But though they searched the ancient writings in the temple, they could find no record. Setna was in despair. He offered a great reward to any who could help him, and presently a very old man came tottering up to the temple, and said, If you are Setna the great scribe, Come with me, for when I was a little child, my grandfather's father, who was as old as I am now, told me that when he was even as I was then, his grandfather's father had shown him where Hura and Merab lay buried. For as young a man in those days, Pharaoh Amenhotep, and first he had helped me to lay them in the tomb. Senna followed eagerly where the old man led him and came to a house on the edge of Koptos. You must pull down this house and dig beneath it, said the old man. And when Setna had bought the house for a great sum from the scribe who had lived in it, he bade the soldiers whom Pharaoh had sent with him to level the house and the ground and dig beneath where it had stood. They did as told, and presently came to a tomb buried beneath the sand, and cut it from the rock. In it lay the bodies of Ahura and Morab. When he saw them, the old man raised his arms and cried aloud, and as he cried he faded from sight, and Setna knew that it was the car of Nefercaptor, which had taken on that shape to lead him to the tomb. So he took up the mummies of Ahura and Merab, and conveyed them with all honour, as if they had been the bodies of a queen and prince of Egypt, down the Nile in the royal boat, 
to Memphis. There, the pharaoh himself led the funeral procession to Saqqara, and Setna placed the bodies of Ahura and Merab beside that of Nefercaptor in the secret tomb where lay the Book of Foth. When the funeral procession had left the tomb, Setna spoke a charm and the wall closed behind him, leaving no trace of a door. Then, at the pharaoh's command, they heaped sand over the low stone shrine where the entrance to the tomb was hidden. And before long, a sandstorm turned it into a great mound, then leveled it out so that never again could anyone find a trace of the tomb where Nefercaptor lay with Ahura and Mareb and the Book of Thoth, waiting for the day of awakening when Osiris shall return to rule over the earth. The knowledge of the gods are not for the minds of men. Or so they said. Their pantheon appears to be quite malicious at times, or in the best case, just apathetic. Though there is nothing to fear, my friend, we are talking about an antique people, and their gods are long since dead. So that is our tale, the tale of Setna and Nefercaptor. It appears that humans are not often want to follow advice, no matter who they put in danger, whether themselves or their family. It's baffling to me how Setna could be so careless for so long. But this is where I began. This is what created this place. Did you know the Egyptians one of the first peoples of Earth to domesticate bees. Bees! I've never found out exactly when they migrated to Earth, but the humans had been enjoying their honey since 8000 BCE. That's on the Earth calendar. Once again, I must bid you farewell. I hope you've learned something this time. Until next time. Good night. <laughs>